Welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NUR FM. Greg Richard joined by Scott Sharp. It's great to see you back once again, Scott. In one piece, I thought you were going to say then. Yeah, well, yes, in one piece. Yeah, here yes. I am. Yeah, it is good to be back. <laughs> what have you got for us today, Scott? I thought we'd talk about edible figs. At the market yesterday, got some beautiful edible figs, so we'll talk about growing those. Azalea lacebugs out and about at the moment, and frangipani rust. We didn't get to it last week, so we'll try and get it to it this week. Try and get on it today. We, well, actually, Mark was having... Some figs this morning? Yes, I heard that, but I was going to talk about them despite, so... Oh, right, it wasn't... Not a coincidence. No, no planning there. (laughs) Excellent. And we've got Sean from a charm haven, and they've got a question about rhubarb. Apparently the red, not growing quite as well as the green. Hello, Sean. This is a bit of a common problem, though, isn't it? What's happening with yours? Well, we don't know whether the roots are too wet. Hi, Scott. Thanks for asking my call. Um, We just don't know whether the roots just get too wet, but we just... The green thrives, but the red, we just just seem to have problems. Ah, so it's not necessarily that you want to try and get your green rhubarb to, to turn red. You're just having trouble getting the red to grow, are you? Yes. We've, we've, had, we've, had, we've tried from seeds, we've tried seedlings, we've just tried the corms, and it just seems to never thrive. We've got them either in the same spot or, you know, they get the same amount of Everything. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. But, but, have you actually done a, a soil pH test uh, there to see what the uh, the, the pH of, of the soil is for the rhubarb? No. Look, that that might not be a bad idea. Uh, I'm just thinking that the, the red might be a little bit, uh, you know, more susceptible to pH than the, the old fashioned green one. So okay. you, you don't want your soil. Uh, with rhubarb to be too acidic. Uh, you could slightly lime it if you wanted to, but it might be worth getting some of that soil, uh, taking it down to your local garden centre, ask them very nicely, say pretty please, and uh, see if they'll do a pH test for you on it. Uh, so, yeah, you do want it to be you know, fairly neutral. Uh, you don't want it to be getting you know, around 6 or anything like that. You want it to be up around 7, so it's a fairly neutral sort of uh, soil for the, the rhubarb. So I'll try that, and then if it is a little bit too acidic, uh, you can add some lime to that. If it's a little bit alkaline, uh, you can actually add some sulphur to the area as well, and that just will balance it back. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, Scott. Not Appreciate a problem. It. Thank you, Sean. But if anyone else has got some other rhubarb tips, always happy to hear them. It's one of those old sort of plants that people have, uh, you know, sort of old old remedies to, to fix things up, even turn them red when they've gone green. Right, so just if you've got like a cold or something. That, you know, I mean, oh, old remedies. Oh, yeah. Like, I probably yeah. should have explained that before I jumped in. <laughs> I actually meant to try and fix up the plant, not necessarily to fix up a common cold, but uh, I, I think mean, we've confused old, ourselves, yeah, haven't old, we? I was talking about old remedies. Yes. How similar. Okay, right. Right, yes. Old remedies about rhubarb, please. We'll cut this bit out. We'll <laughs> move along. We've got Chris from Warrabrook, and he's got a trouble with planting a buffalo runners. Hi, Chris. Yeah. What's happening? What's happening? I live in Warrabrook, and we've had buffalo grass there. In the summertime, when it gets real hot, it burns my my buffalo grass up, and I will dig out all the dead stuff. And I've got runners down the back, uh, and I'll get runners, and I will make sure they've got good roots on the runners. I'll put a groove down for the runners. I even make staples so I can staple the <laughs> the runner in place. Yes, cover that with. Uh, a, uh, a dirt yes. that I buy from Bunnings and I'll water that and do you think those runners will ever kick off and get going? And I've been doing that for years and very seldom do the runners kick off and keep growing. Oh. Uh, they, 
That that's no good because that that's actually how buffalo is uh, propagated and grown by you know cutting out a length of it, then letting it spread out again because buffalo is actually a seedless lawn. There's no seed in there, so it has to be propagated by runners. Um, when you say soil, uh, are you using a sort of a sandy loam with that uh, or, or a potting mix? What are you actually using to try and propagate it? Uh, I'm just trying to think. I can't think of the manufacturer's name, but it comes okay. in um, 20 litres. Yeah, but w- w- I mean, uh, as far as describing it, would you say it's a sandy mix or would you say it's more sort of barky? It's a very dark colour. Uh, it's certainly not sandy. And uh, look, I go to a lot of trouble with my runners. I make sure they've got roots on them. Yes, and yeah. I'll, I'll lay them down and I make staples like a, uh, out of wire and I'll put them in place and uh, I'll cover that with that soil I buy from Bunnings and then I'll fertilise it, water it, put the sprinkler on it and they never... Very seldom do they kick off and keep growing. I'd, I'd like to be able to um, replace the bad patches in my lawn, and it doesn't happen. Yeah. So now, when, now, are you fertilising those runners, or are you just using water on them? No, I can uh, use fertiliser on them, uh, the chicken manure or uh, a right gravel. Okay. Now, so you, so you're saying to me, Chris, that you're digging up those runners. Uh, stapling them into, into the ground. I love that. That's a great idea. But then you're using chicken manure on them, are you? Uh, what's that? That's, yeah. yeah. Um, what's the proper name for that? Um, yeah, look, I, I, from the sounds of it, I, I think you might be actually overstressing those runners uh, because when you dig up a lawn, you, you really shouldn't fertilise it for, for some time. So if you've got those runners going and then you dig them up, you plant them, uh, get them into the ground, and then you're fertilising them. That you've damaged those roots by digging them up, and then you're trying to overload it with additional fertiliser. I, I would steer clear of doing that. Uh, so when you dig up your runners and, and transplant them into the ground, uh, go and get a, a some sort of sandy loam lawn mix. Uh, get a specific lawn mix, and then. Just make sure you're only watering it. Don't don't start fertilising it or anything. You'll just b- probably be burning the uh, the poor old grass runners, uh, you know, away straight away by doing that. So I think for you, uh, just moving when you're moving them around like that and transplanting them, just use water and get some sort of sandy loam mix uh, that uh, is specific to uh, lawn transplanting. Yeah, uh, but I've been doing this for years, and in the summertime. Uh, when it gets nearly 40 degrees, it will kill off some of my buffalo. Yes. And, uh, look, uh, uh, summertime is a bad time for me. And then I might go to Bunnings and buy uh, runners, and not like mats, and I'll put those in the real bad places. And most of the time, the uh, mat will kick off and they'll go. But there'll be uh, spots in my lawn that... Uh, I've got weeds, and I dig the weeds out and put my runners in. Uh, I'm very disappointed in my efforts because <laughs> the, the runners don't go. Yeah, so look, I, I think that's going to be the ticket for you. Uh, rather than using fertiliser once you've transplanted those runners, just use just water them, uh, water them heavily. Uh, you really can't give them enough water uh, when you've dug them up like that, and uh, better luck with it next year and hope it doesn't burn off as much in summer. I've been doing that for years and don't have a lot of success. Uh, so I thought I'll ring up the professionals 
exactly what I'm doing wrong. Right, we'll give give that a try, and we'll we'll hear back from you next year and see how you went. Yeah, probably go mad. <laughs> Good on you, Chris. Thanks very much. We've got Alan from Stockton, and he's got oversized passion fruit, but it's not ripening. Good afternoon, Alan. How can we help you, mate? Um, I'm hoping you can help me. Um, I've got a passion fruit vine. It's in, it's in its second year. Um, now, the passion fruit size, uh, actually, the four times the size of a normal passion fruit. And most people will say, absolutely stunned. In fact, a horticulturist came in and he had one look at it. He said, I've never seen a passion fruit vine um, such as this. Right, you're, now, you're, doing, you're doing pretty well so far. Yeah, well, I, I only think I did. I put a lot of um, liquid iron um, when I first put it in. Yes. But for some reason, they just don't seem to be ripening. They're still fairly deep green, and, and the uh, stems are still green. They're not seeming to bring them off. I was just wondering, are there some passion fruit that sort of don't ripen and change colour? But it is a Kelly one. It's it's one that I bought from the local store, um, just the same as most um, passion fruit, but I have been having to um, self-pollinate because I haven't seen any bees around, so I've been self-pollinating the pollen from the same flower back onto the flower itself, so would that have anything to do with it? Uh, Look, that that wouldn't have anything to do with the ripening. As long as you've got the fruit there forming, have you actually cut one off to see if it's a bit rindy or anything like that, if there's juice or seed in there? Have Have you been able to do that yet? No, I haven't. I've been a little bit too frightened in case it breaks my heart. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I could do that, I guess, but there's so many now, and, and they're so huge. People are just absolutely stunned. They just can't believe it's a passion fruit. Yeah, uh, look, that, that, that's great. But I think with passion fruit, it really just comes down to the weather um, as to you know when they ripen off or not. Uh, some people, you know, they'll get them to set a lot later in the season, and then, of course, once you get into you know May. Uh, June, they're never going to ripen up then, so you might as well pluck them off. But for you, I, I think uh, you know I'd leave them on there. There's no reason to take them off at the moment. All you can hope for is some you know really baking hot sunny days to uh, to try and ripen them up because that that's what's going to do it. And I wonder if it's you know we've just had you know some sunny days, but then you know we have all these weird sort of you know southerly fronts coming through, and it feels like winter almost, and the the plant might just be a little bit confused. Is your uh, plant, Alan, uh, out in the full sun? It certainly is. Right. Yeah, okay. Full sun all all day. Okay, and that's fantastic uh, because you know if they're growing up through you know trees or in under somewhere, and the sun's not getting on them, then they won't ripen up as well. Uh, Mate, I, I would just, uh, you know, bear with it. Uh, just don't go, maybe just pluck one off and cut it and see if it's a bit rindy. Um, but it sounds like you're doing the right thing with it. You're fertilising it. You just keep on watering it as well. Uh, and cross some fingers for some hot, sunny days, and uh, then you should get some colour out of it. But look, mate, if, if they hang on there and, uh, you know, it's getting towards, you know, late April, May, uh, it might be worth just starting to thin them off and, and uh, get rid of them after that. Okay, then. I'll just keep my fingers crossed. Absolutely. Uh, keep in touch with us. So We always like to know how people go if they've got a problem. So, yeah, give us a call back in a couple of weeks if they start to uh, change colour for you. Okay, I certainly will. Thank okay. you. Good on you, Alan. Thank you. We've got Brian now from Nelson Bay, and he's a bottle brush. Is it spreading and wants to know if he can prune it back? Hello, Brian. What's happening with your bottle yeah. brush? Hey, Scotty. Um, yeah, mate. It's just, we put it in maybe about oh, nine or ten years back. It's a little... 
well, I think they call them little johnnies. They yes. don't grow that tall, but it's starting to bush out a bit, and it's coming across to the letterbox. And I just wonder whether it's going to do any damage if I start pruning it into a bit of a uh, shape or taking some of the, the top branches off a bit. The trunk's pretty thick, and the lower branches that could be around about 40 to 50 millimetres thick, uh, will it do any harm? The, the coloured birds love the bush and that, so... I don't want to kill it, sort of thing. Yeah, little Johnny, a, a great little bottle brush. Uh, yeah. only, only gets very small. And the great thing about bottle brush is you can prune them really heavily. Uh, you know, you see the bigger ones, they almost prune them back down to the ground and they'll just come back out and go crazy for you. And again, you get a really nice, uh, you know, fresh lot of growth. So if you want to yep. prune that into a shape, uh, certainly go for it. Oh, okay, mate. Yeah, yeah good stuff. But uh, look, right. no, no fertiliser or anything. And with a bottle brush, you really don't want to be fertilising them anyway. They're, they're pretty resilient. Uh, and if you are going to fertilise them, only use a native-specific fertiliser. But after you've pruned it, just uh, keep on watering it well. I uh, see you're up at Nilsson Space. Are you a bit sandy up there? Yeah, mate. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a good little bush. There's no problems with it at all. I haven't worried about putting any fertiliser on or, or dressing at all or, or giving it any food. So she... She's kicking along magic, and as I said, the coloured birds love it as well, so it's a little bit of uh, a novelty for us here to see the birds jumping around in this little bush. Yeah, very good. Okay, yeah, prune away. Uh, don't be too worried about it, and I think you'll be fine. Good on you. Thanks, okay. Thanks, Brian. Cheers. Have a good day. Bye. And we've got Sue from Hamilton East, and she's got a spider plant with white grey mould on top of the soil. Good afternoon, Sue. What's been happening? Okay, uh, hello. How are you? Um, I've got this spider plant, which is huge and um, has always been healthy and still looks pretty healthy. Um, But I went to water it and I've just noticed that the potting mix is covered in a white, grey, fluffy mould. Okay. I'm just wondering, can I save it or do I have to throw it out? No, no, no. You can certainly save that. How's the plant? Is it sort of looking healthy still? pretty good it's uh gone a little bit more limp than it usually is but it doesn't look thick um it's yeah no it's it's got a few brown tips and things but you know it's a spider plant and it's very old and yeah, and look, they are an old sort of fashion plant. I remember, you know, Nan used to have one back in the 70s and 80s. We used to call them oh, yeah. ribbon plants back then. That's but, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, like what, what, what they call them, you know, the conservatory where you'd have the plants out in, in the glass. In the conservatory? Yeah. The conservatory, yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where you keep plants in um, when you're playing Cluedo. That's right. <laughs> but that's... I've uh, never seen mould on, on it like this before. It's very white, powdery, sort of grey-white. Yeah, so look, what you need to do is go down to your local garden centre and, and get a uh, fungicide of some sort. You can either get a, a copper spray or there's another one called Mancozeb. And mm-hmm. I would just mix that up into a watering can and just water it into the top of the plant. Uh, you mm-hmm. could spray the, the leaves as well if you wanted to. And you'll find that uh, pretty quickly, uh, you know, over a day or so, that uh, fungus will just start to shrivel up and go away. At the time, okay. I'd probably just... Uh, the other thing I'd be doing is just cutting down your watering. Have you got it sitting in a, a saucer of water that, that's keeping it wet all the time, or do you just... Probably. Uh, it's, it's actually um, in a pot and then inside a decorative ceramic bowl. So, yes, it's probably damp. Yep, okay. So I, I'd also do that. I would get it out of that decorative bowl, make sure all the holes uh, are draining properly, 
and mm. uh, just let it not you know dry out, dry out, but just get away that you know that sort of shiny moistness uh, away from the the soil. Uh, use that mancozeb. So it might be worth you know moving the plant somewhere else. Uh, uh, you know where it can drain a little bit better for a while, but certainly mm-hmm. not out in the full sun. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you need to put it in the bath or something, or the shower, just to to let it clean up and drain out for mm. a little while. But uh, yeah, I would do that, and I think it'll come good for you. Very hard to kill the old ribbon plant. Yes, I, I've had them before, and they've lasted for decades. Um, one other question: I bought some new um, potting mix. Yes, uh, because I was going to do the right things by all my little plants and pop them up to the next size. And I cannot stand the smell of this stuff. It is unbelievable. We've had to move these things away from the house. It's so um, pungent. Oh, uh, yes, potting mix can have different smells to it. Uh, m- most of the time when they're doing the mix, it's, you know, it's quite scientific now, uh, oh. you know, they do try and get their consistency and their mix, you know, the same all the time. But every now and again, look, it is nature. Uh, you'll get different, you know, decomposition rates and you will get funny smells uh, coming out of them. Uh, just, I don't know, it's sometimes I grew to love those those weird and wonderful smells in the potting mix, but uh, mm, yeah. A nice smell. I mean, like um, I know the smell of good earth and potting mix. This actually—is it possible for it to be wrong? Like it to be gone off? Yeah. Look, the the way they can go off, uh, and in my experience, is if the mix has been sitting there and it is wet, and then they bag it when it's wet. Uh, that's when you'll start to get more of those smells coming out of there. Uh, mm. And, of course, when you're handling potty mix, always be careful of Legionnaire's disease. Mm. Uh, just be mm. sensible about it. Uh, you know, don't open it up in a closed space. Keep your, you know, your head away from the bag when you're opening it and all will be well. Mm. Wash your hands, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so no problems there, but you just have to be careful. Uh, is it uh, possible for you, Sue, to repl- uh, you know, repot these particular plants again into some different potting mix and get rid of that uh, one? Uh, I'm going to have to yeah. because we, we can't tolerate the smell of this stuff. It's, it's really offensive. Yeah, and look, always make sure you get a good potting mix. Uh, you can get very cheap potting mixes. Uh, no, at you know, top of the range one. Good, good. So, and I hadn't even bought this particular one before and it was meant to be the ultimate level above the one I normally buy. Yes. Uh, look, and it might even be worth taking it back to, you know, the place you uh, purchase it from and just saying, look, I've, I've got some issues with this. Uh, you know, it doesn't smell too good. Can I, mm. have a, can I have a swap and see how you go? Mm. It's a, um, yeah, I suppose so. It's a big brand. It's got the, it's got the one, you know, so it's yeah, a reputable uh, brand. Yeah, and, and that's great. And look, as I said, sometimes, the, you know, they can bag them up wet. There's, you know, there are some variables. But, uh, yeah, look, I'd take it back to where you got it from and see how you go. Okay. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you very much, and I'll go and buy some of those magazines. Okay. Thank you very much, Sue. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, we've got Barbara now from Heat and Greeter, and her lily is not yellow. Oh, that doesn't sound very good at all. Barbara, how can we help you? Uh, good afternoon, Scott. I have a lily called Unforgettable. I have several of them. But they have, instead of the stamen being a straight yellow piece, it's, they're like a, got like a bunch of tiny grapes in the centre. And of course, then they're too hot, too heavy to stay up. Right, they just fall over. Right, okay. And have you grown these particular lilies before? Are we just seeing a variation in this plant from last year, for instance, or is this a new batch that you've put in? No, this they were in the ground from last year, 
Um, I didn't expect them to come up again this year, but they did. Good, good. And um, even two that are in a pot have have developed the same thing. Instead of the stamen being like um, the peace lily with a yellow stamen, which is what they should have, yes. and they've got the colour around the edge, they're, they're cream and they have the colour, the unforgettables, uh, around the edge of the flower. Yes, okay. Uh, they've uh, come up with a, as I said, um, like a bunch of tiny grapes inside them. There's been heaps of flowers, but they cannot sta- stay upright because this is too heavy. Right. Yeah. And is there any way you can just snip those out just to, to reduce the weight? or? Um, not really. No. They're right down into the centre of the flower. Right, okay. Uh, look, sorry, I haven't come across this problem before. All, all I would say, though, is if you're hoping to get them going uh, again next year, um, use some sulphate of potash. Uh, it's a, a great cure-all uh, and for making fruiting and flowering a lot stronger. So if there is any particular weird and wonderful thing going on with this plant, uh, I, I would use some sulphate of potash. It's going to promote the flowering, but it's also just going to make it um, you know, more healthy in that area. Uh, I, I guess it's like uh, you know, having some vitamin C to... You know, I'm just making this up at the moment. I'm no doctor, <laughs> but yeah, look, sulphate of potash uh, is very... Very specific to flowers, so I'd go and grab some of that. Uh, it, it works a treat. You can use it on all sorts of plants that are flowering. Uh, That's all I use on. Ah, excellent. Okay. And I thought I might have been overfeeding, if, and that might have caused it. Well, that 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 could also be a, an issue. Uh, however, potash is a chemical that doesn't really last in the soil. It mm-hmm. washes away very quickly. Um, so it is, in a way, it is difficult to overuse it. But for instance, if you were using it every week, then I think you might be overusing it. No, um, okay. not that keen. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is what you, you recommended it. Oh, twelve months ago, yes, I think yeah. you recommended it, and ever since then, I have used it because I get great results with it. Well, you sound keener than most, and that's that's a good thing. As far as far as flowers, like yeah. make things flower, even in patients. Yes, One it, that I was ready to pull out, it, I'd had it for years and it just wouldn't flower properly and it's been a mass of flowers since I fed it sulfate of potash. But, you know, I, I'm, I love these lilies, but... <laughs> now, you know, I, I reckon if you were to take a, a photo of those lilies and email a pic into us, we might be able to help you out a little bit better. Greg is, I'm stalling for time here because Greg's going to try and find the email address and he's done it. Which is yes. gardening at 2 com. Just hold on. Gardening at 2 com. Yep. And if you send those in to us, we might be able to help you out a little bit more specifically than we've been able to this afternoon. Thank you very, very much. That's all right. We shall see hope... if we get to the bottom of this. Okay, we'd hope to hear from you, Barbara. Thank you. Okay, bye. Cheers, bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and FM. If you've got a question, 49216216. And we've got Gary from Camwell, and he's got a question about the lemon tree. Good afternoon, Gary. How can we help you? Yes, uh, good afternoon. Um, I've got a lemon. It's been in for about 10 years, maybe a little more. And this year, the... Skin on the lemons is incredibly thick. Mm-hmm. When when you cut them and try to squeeze them, it's almost impossible to squeeze them. 
Yes. Okay. So, look, that that can be down to um, you know climatic conditions. Uh, if the the fruit's getting over wet, uh, and you know, and then drying out. So, be careful about that. Just try and keep your watering consistent uh, with it. Uh, when they're getting a bit older as well, lemon trees can go like that. Have you been fertilising it at all? Yeah, I usually fertilise about whatever it says on the pack uh, three or four times a year. Okay, now a really good uh, fertilizer for lemons is a rose um, product. It's actually called Sudden Impact. Uh, it's slow release. You can use it in the ground or in pots. Um, so that might be another uh, sort of thing for you to get. Is your plant in the ground uh, or in a pot, mate? No, it's in the ground, Scott. Excellent. Okay, so you can, in fact, use poultry manure as well if you want to. Uh, right. And that uh, that will also feed the the plant up with some nice organic matter, and um, just yeah, get it uh, get it uh, you know a little bit healthier for you. Good, good. Now, now the, thanks the, very much, Gary. Are you uh, though? Are you feeding it or putting grass clippings around your lemon? No, no, we do. Um, oh, what do you? Um, oh, what's, what do we put around? Just a whole lot. Mulch. Sugar cane mulch. Oh, okay. Look, that that that's fine because sometimes with citrus and, and lemons, uh, if you've got too much nitrogen in the soil, you can also get a thick rind on your lemon. Um, and, and often people are putting grass clippings around, so you get a lot of uh, nitrogen coming out of that. Uh, but you're not right. doing that, so that, that's fantastic. Uh, I would just try uh, some you know more general fertilising using that poultry manure four times a year. Okay. Thanks very much, Scott. Good on you, Gary. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and URFM. We've still got time for a couple more calls. We've got Glenn from Singleton. And he wants to know, can you put too many coffee extracts on the garden? Hello, Glenn. How can we help you? Yeah, I was just wondering, Scott, can you put too much coffee extracts on your garden with ordinary flowers or veggies and all that sort of stuff? Look, I reckon you can. Uh, it's it's not a bad you know product to use on your garden. Uh, it, it is an organic matter. The only trouble yeah. is with it that it is high in nitrogen and potassium. Potassium is great for your flowering plants, so that's not so much of a problem. But yep. nitrogen can just promote too much green leafy growth. The other thing I see people do is that you know they they put it on their garden, but it almost forms this layer. Uh, and I don't know that the, you know, it dries out and becomes hydrophobic, and I think then the water can't get down through it. And oh, right. yeah, so I, I think there's difficulties there. For me, I, I say, look, yes, you it, use it, um, but mix it up in uh, other manures, other soil. Just use it as, I guess, a bit of a filler to give uh, your soil some body. Uh, it, but it, look, it, there's nothing wrong with getting coffee grounds and sprinkling it around. I just wouldn't be putting it in great big lumps. Just uh, use it sparingly. Yes, or mix it up, uh, you know, with other uh, organic matter, other potting mix, uh, soil, uh, or manures, just to uh, break it down and uh, make it a little bit more palatable to, to the plants. Yep. And listen, I've got another question. Uh, I've got some. Oh, Dad, give me some orchids in there. Long leafy ones, they've got a bit of fungus in that on. What's the best to get rid of that fungus? Yeah, so I'd go and get a copper spray from your local garden centre. Uh, yep. It's called copper oxychloride. Uh, it's okay. usually a blue powder, and you mix it up in water and then spray it on, and right. that should keep it under control for you. 
Okay, Scott. Thanks very much, okay. mate. Thank you very much for the call, Glenn. Bye. Have a nice afternoon. Yeah, I will, mate. Cheers. Bye. Bye. We've got Alden from Madawi, and he wants to know the mother, about the mother-in-law... Mother-in-law tongue flower. It's a bit of a tongue twister. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Alan, how can we help you? I just wanted to know if um, mother-in-law's tongue flowers. The answer is yes, it, it certainly does. I mean, you know, pretty much all plants flower. They have to, you know, uh, you know, reproduce in some way. Uh, yeah. But yes, mother-in-law's tongue certainly does. It almost looks like, I've seen it a couple of times before, it's a, it's a spindly little thing that comes up from the base of the plant. So it's not like it sprouts out from the top of the, you know, the mother-in-law's tongue leaves, but it comes no. out from the base, just no. a little thin stalk. And then those thin stalks break out in uh, like a little white or yellow type flower. It, it's not unattractive, uh, no. but uh, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's fairly uncommon to see it, but it's, they certainly do flower. And what time of the year would they flower? Yeah, that, that's in spring and summer for the mother-in-law's tongue here in Australia. Oh, right. Have yeah, you got them well, in the ground or in a pot, mate? In a pot. Yeah. If, oh, yes. Yeah. You... <laughs> I know. I've seen it make a mess of gardens, big areas. Ooh, yes. If you put it in the ground, it spreads and spreads. I've never mm. tried to dig it out. Uh, it might not be too hard to dig out, but, uh, yeah, look, it's a very tough plant and uh, it, it will just keep on spreading and taking over on you, so... I think best a plant to uh, just keep in a pot yeah. uh, inside the house. Yeah, like I said, really tough, uh, very hard to kill it. Uh, I, I don't know why they call it mother-in-law's tongue. I haven't worked that one out. Uh, no, there no, must be I a secret thought, out there somewhere. Yeah, I just thought, I've often thought about that too. It doesn't look much like my mother-in-law's tongue. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a tip for that chap that's uh, trying to transplant buffalo grass. Yes. Um because it's a surface runner, it doesn't like its leaves being covered. You can scratch a bit of a grab hole in the ground and just just cover the stalk, but make sure the leaves are left out. And, and the, I've found that the pieces that I plant must have leaves on them. Yes, absolutely. Otherwise, it's just got no oomph to uh, to get up and get going. My greatest concern with that fellow was, though, that he was fertilising at the same time. So you've, oh, yeah. you've no, dug no. those runners up, they're, they're, the roots are damaged, uh, they're just little tender little roots anyway, and then all of a sudden you're overloading the plant. I, I think that might, might be why he's, uh, you know, he's sending those uh, back to cactus, unfortunately. Yeah, some, some, of, them are, uh, some of those uh, water on... Fertilisers are pretty good. Um, uh, I just can't put my tongue on. Yeah, look. The, yeah, they're just the weak ones where you plant, and they they mainly create root growth. Yeah, so sea salt's very good That's for it, promoting yeah. root growth. So yeah. there's all different ratios you can use that, but you would just use it in a in a weak mixture. Look, the old fashioned Thrive as well. There's no reason why you can't use that, and oh, yeah. it's yeah. just a, a nice, safe way of, of fertilising, uh, especially if you're doing little cuttings like that. I've done a heap around this place. I've started off buying some and then I've transferred it all around the place and I have no problem with it. Yeah, but cuttings, <laughs> lovely, easy things to do. Uh, people get yeah, scared about it. cuttings and, and dig squares out. I went to put a fence in and I dug, was going to go through the buffalo lawn at the, out the back and I dug squares out and put it in a part out in our courtyard out the side of the house. And um, it, it never looked back. It never, hardly ever went brown. It did... And that's all I do is just, with the squares, I just scratch a hole deep enough, inch or so deep, put the patch in, um, 
water it in. Keep it wet's the main thing. Yeah, and look, that that is the main thing when you're uh, putting down new turf, uh, transplanting, uh, you know, uh, like mm. that fellow is doing. Uh, yeah, water is the main thing with it. I always say to people if they're putting new turf down, uh, you really can't water it enough. Uh, you know, they think if they give it a splash in the morning and then again in the afternoon, that's that's enough. But uh, yeah, you really just have to uh, hammer your, your new turf or any yeah. runners you're doing with water, uh, you know, for a good couple of hours a day to, to make sure that it grows. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Good on you, Alwyn. Thank Brilliant. you very much for the call. Appreciate thank, it. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, bye. It's always good when we get tips as well, isn't it? It is. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, I don't know everything. I've never pretended to. Exactly. Well, I think you said you didn't know what you were talking about at one stage. <laughs> I don't even know half of everything. So it's, it's great when people ring up and fill in the gaps for us. Scott Sharp, we're out of time for another week. Okay, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.